Okay, Trace, today is week number two of our survival guide for parents. So parents out there, especially if you have young ones at home still, this is just for you. Last time we gave you the very first principle for raising godly kids, which is to put God first, not just in your parenting, but also in your life as a parent. And today we're going to talk about the second most important thing, and it is all about discipline. Tracy, there's this ancient parenting paradox that goes something like this. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. And a lot of parents would say, wait a second, discipline is when you discipline your kids, that means you hate your kids. But actually the Bible says something different. Proverbs 13, 24, it says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. So parents, if you care about your kids, you'll discipline them. Discipline with love. That's the second parenting principle. Yeah. And in case you have an image or maybe you were raised by parents where discipline was harsh or mean or done out of anger, then maybe you react to this topic and think, no way, there's no way discipline could ever be loving. But discipline can be loving if it's done in the right way, with the right heart, with the right motivation about training and shaping our kids so that one day they can grow up and leave our home and be independent, healthy adults. Yeah, a lot of our listeners maybe didn't have a very good model of parents who disciplined them well. Maybe maybe you grew up and your parents just kind of let you do whatever you wanted to, and so now you have kids and you're not really sure how to view this, what to do with this. And so again, that's why this principle is important. You know, this passage is saying if you if you don't discipline your kids, it's actually unloving to them. It's loving to discipline. So Tracy, for us, I mean, I, I grew up, my, my parents were great disciplinarians, both my mom and my dad. That was back in the day when you were, when everybody spanked, right? And I, I remember, boy, that got our attention when we, when we got a whipping and, uh, and it worked for the most part on most of their five children. Now, couple of those kids maybe needed a couple more spankings than the rest of us. But I know for me, it really spoke the message to me. And then we brought that into, into our parenting as well. We were both on the same page with disciplining our kids. And uh, by the grace of God, God our, our kids turned out pretty good. Yeah. And I think, you know, discipline isn't just about spanking. Discipline can come in a lot of forms. And we'll talk a little bit about that today, that there's you know, age-appropriate ways of responding when we need to correct our kids. There's a season for different kinds of discipline than others. Um, And certainly in any way that we would advocate or talk about spanking as something that we did with our kids, it it was not done in anger. It was not done in an abusive way. It It was done the way we think the Bible talks about, that it was a training tool for a time for our kids at certain ages. And like you said, Brian, I was spanked when I was a child and I was a pretty strong-willed kid and um, spanking worked for me. <laughs> it, was, it was something that my parents needed for me for a period of time and I, I learned that I didn't like that. So I stopped doing some of those behaviors that earned me a spank in the first place. Yeah, and we'll get really practical here at the end of the episode. We'll talk about the three C's of biblical discipline. And again, it's not just about spanking. Of course, 
for younger children, that may or may not be appropriate uh, these days. I think that's something that you and your spouse need to talk about. But certainly, as the kids get older, it's more appropriate to use things like groundings and those sorts of things. Trace, I remember uh, one time, I, I think the kids must have been either early high school, maybe Kenzie was in high school, AJ was still in junior high, somewhere around there. They were both close to the teen years. And I remember I, I finally, they were they were having some sort of a spat and I got very stern with them. And my punishment was to have them write letters explaining where they went wrong. And each one of them had to go to their room and write that letter out and present the letter to us and read it to us. And it was it was pretty comical. In fact, maybe we'll read those letters here at some point in this episode. Yeah, it would be fun to have our kids on at some point to talk about some of the memories they have of things that, you know, punishments that they received, discipline that we did, because it, it was different for different situations. Sometimes it was, you know, of course, removing the phone or they lost their TV privileges or, or YouTube privileges. And that one that you did, I mean, they were just arguing and fighting and bickering with each other. It was so annoying and they weren't listening to our verbal warnings. And so finally, I thought that was a brilliant approach that you made the kids go to the room and they weren't allowed to come upstairs until they had written a thoughtful essay <laughs> as to what they did wrong and how they would do things differently the next time. And it was pretty hilarious to see the different personalities of our kids and how they wrote their little essays and the things they took responsibility for. It was, it was pretty hilarious. Okay. So here's what Kenzie came up with after that assignment. She titled her, do she titled her document, what went wrong. And she, here's what she wrote. AJ came in my room out of what seemed like pure boredom. After asking me a few questions about random things, he started getting restless he picked up my journal and started to read it, and even after several attempts to get him to stop, he continued. After yanking the book out of his hands, I proceeded to tell him to leave my room if he was going to be a jerk, to which he put up a fight. Kenzie was probably maybe a freshman in high school at this point. After yeah, yelling for yeah. mom several times, notice, not dad, mom, <laughs> he finally left. I think AJ had no respect for my things and for what I was saying. Where I went wrong was slamming the door. That was a conscious decision I made in an effort to get my point across, which didn't go as planned. Also, I probably could have refrained from constant use of the word jerk, which I don't think helped either of us in this situation. Here's her last paragraph. <laughs> Calling AJ names or giving him a big reaction is just what he wants, which translates to him constantly bugging slash teasing me. I need to learn how to harbor my own emotions in order to deal with AJ's energy and effectively control the situation at hand. All in all, what happened today could have been avoided with just a few simple changes to both of our behaviors. I can't find it, but AJ's was much shorter, okay. much briefer. He just said I was I was wrong and I I shouldn't have done it. And it was even just comical <laughs> yeah. to see both of their the effort that both of them put into that particular assignment. So again, for kids, if you know, for parents who have kids who are in those years where discipline is necessary, the point for now is just recognize whatever form discipline comes in. Discipline is important because if you don't discipline your kids, then your kids are going to get the wrong idea. They're not going to learn what they're supposed to learn in the child rearing years. And then you're going to turn them out into society. And, uh, and that's not going to be helpful in society either. So Trace, let's talk a little bit about, again, one of the reasons this is such an important principle is because the Bible 
the Bible makes it clear that there is such a thing as right and wrong. I think the reason so many parents these days are averse to discipline is because they don't think about right and wrong. They kind of have this idea that, hey, anything goes, my kid can do whatever my kid wants, you know, they can decide what gender they are, they can decide, um, you know, what kind of sexuality they want to enjoy, but that's not a biblical perspective. A biblical perspective, not just around those things, a biblical perspective is that there, there is right and wrong, and the first place that kids learn or that people learn about right and wrong is in the home. And so if you teach children in the home, it's going to go well with them into the world. Proverbs 22, 6, direct your children onto the right path, and when, they, when they're older, they won't leave it. So the, the implication is there is a right path. There is a right, there is a wrong, and the Christian parent's job is to help guide their children along that path. Yeah, I don't think it takes us very long to watch the news and see what's happening in our culture. You know, I remember like in 2010 talking about, you know, with the, the news that we were in this post-truth era where it's not really about facts. It's about, you know, following the news organization, you know, reading the newspapers that kind of speak to the information that you want to hear or, or conjure up the emotion that you want to hear. And I don't think any of us realized how that was going to infiltrate then throughout all of society and into culture that now we are living in a time where, like you said, truth is kind of a, however you want to define it. You know, your truth can be different than my truth. And, and the reality is that just doesn't work. It doesn't work that my, I can define truth for myself and then that could butt up against your truth that you've defined for yourself. That a society operates on certain truths. It's kind of like traffic rules, right? If I decide that green lights mean red and you decide that red lights mean green, it's not going to take us very long to be seeing cataclysmic um, accidents on the road. Like there is truth. And I think as at least for Christian parents... Even though our culture is telling you differently, if you if you could train your kids up and believe that there is absolute truth, that the Bible is our guide, that the Bible teaches us what's wrong and it teaches us to do what is right, because the world in which we're living, it's, it's confusing and it's not going to lead to good things if we just continue to say that there is no absolute truth. So parents, even though it's not always going to be popular when you have to stand up for biblical values and say to your kids no, we're not going to do that, or that idea is wrong, it's going to be worth it in the end to raise God-fearing kids. Yeah, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses Scripture to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. And so again, Christian parents, it's so important for you, for you also to be in the Word, for you also to understand right from wrong, not based on what the culture is saying, not based on what you're hearing in the news or your favorite influencer or, or politician or athlete or you know, entertainer. God's Word should, should teach us what's right and wrong. And then mom and dad parents, our job is to pass that on to our kids. And to see that they're in a community, uh, hopefully in a community where, where you've got other friends, parents, who are, who are saying the same thing to their kids, and you're in a community where there's a little bit of a harbor from the, the rest of the world that's going in this other direction. And so it's so important, I think, for, 
for Christian parents who want to be biblical about this, to discipline with love. Because discipline just means, hey, there's a right and a wrong, and when you do the wrong thing, there's going to be a consequence for it, but you should do it with love. That's the parenting principle, discipline with love. And I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 6, because this this shows us really this kind of where this principle comes from. It starts starting in verse 1. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother, and that's in quotes because... Paul here is quoting the Old Testament, the fifth commandment, and he says, this is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you'll have a long life on the earth. So we talked about this last time when we talked about putting God first, that that's, you know, the the first principle for raising godly kids is to put God first in your home, in your parenting, in your marriage, in your individual uh, relationship with God. And so I think it's important to see that that's, this is what it's saying. It's speaking to children, saying it's it's the right thing to do to, to pay attention to your parents. But then verse 4, it's interesting, gives us a little more context. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And that's, verse 4 is just such a good verse, especially for dads, probably for moms and dads to recognize that our discipline shouldn't just be, you know, some some parents are really good at disciplining, but there's a difference between dif- discipline, Tracy, and disciplining with love. Right. And that's the part that's so hard in parenting, because it's easy for us to be reactionary as parents. Our kid annoys us. They're having a meltdown in Target. And so we just want to grab hold of them and we just want to yell and we just we're just reactionary in the moment. That's not the kind of discipline that we're talking about. Loving discipline is making the choice first as a parent to say, I have to have self-control in my, in my actions here. And whatever discipline I'm choosing is for the good of the child. So it's not going to be for the good of your child if you're yelling and screaming and being totally upset. That's just going to scare them. That's not going to bring out good fruit. That's not going to build trust in the relationship that your child's going to feel like mom or dad needs to correct me right now because they love me. They just look frightening and scary. But disciplining and love is that we're, we're thoughtful, we're calm. And as we're going to talk about in this topic today, that I think it's best to have a plan when certain behaviors happen and are disobeyed that you know what the consequence is going to be rather than on the fly reacting to things because you're likely not going to have a great response, and it's not going to be helpful in the end for your kid. Yeah, and before we get into those practical tips, we're going to give you the three C's of biblical discipline. I think it's it's good to study one more passage of Scripture. So parents, if you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter 12, because there's a section here, verses 5 to 12, that speaks specifically about this. And I, lo- I love what it's telling us. The author of Hebrews is, is comparing... God. He's talking about God as our father disciplining his children. And it's a great example for us. Like, as I read these words, think about the heart that God has for his kids. Verse 5, it says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. And it's interesting because this verse is saying that God is saying this, which it, it really kind of reminds me some, sometimes how we would discipline our kids, Tracy, is we would sit them down and we would talk about the discipline while we were disciplining them. And this is what he's doing here. 
God spoke these words to you as children. You know, it, I could just see him sitting, sitting the child down at the end of the bed, we're the child, saying, don't make light of this. Don't give up when I, when I correct you. I'm doing this because I love you. I'm, I'm punishing you because you're my child. I'm, ex, I'm disciplining you because you're my child. And again, it goes hand in hand with that proverb that, that parents that love their kids will discipline their kids. And God was the first parent to do this very thing. And then in verse 7, it says, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? It's interesting, that's a rhetorical question 2,000 years ago. Today, many people have heard of that, because today there are many parents, there are many fathers who don't discipline their kids, but that wasn't a thing 2,000 years ago. It was, it was obvious that you, should, that you need to discipline your kids, but I think we've got it backwards in our culture today. Verse 8, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? A couple more verses. He says, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. And then I love verse 11. And we're gonna kind of get into this when we talk about the three C's of discipline. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. I want to read that again because to me that really summarizes so well the heart behind loving discipline. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And this is a promise that this is a a parenting principle that God himself uses on us and he expects us to use on our kids. We need to discipline with love. Yeah. And I think that idea of just living peacefully, um, that we do when, when our kids know what the right behaviors are in the home and you've trained them when they've stepped out of those bounds, right? There's some form of discipline that teaches and corrects them as they choose obedience then, and they recognize that it's way more fun when we're all just in loving relationship and nobody's in trouble, that it really is like the home can be more peaceful. The home will feel safe. The home will feel like a, a refuge from a world that is crazy, from a school that might be crazy with hard things. If we're not training our kids, if there is no loving discipline in the home, then my guess is you experience a lot of chaos because... Kids are just kind of doing whatever they want. Maybe sometimes you react and yell and scream and your kid's quiet for a while, but the, but the behavior keeps continuing. Or maybe you're just not doing any discipline at all and it's just complete chaos. You're, you're upset, your kid's upset, there's just no peace. So it is, even though parents, it can be hard and tiring, it is worth the effort to train your kids from, from the time that they can start to you know, make their own decision as toddlers of touching the hot stove or the ornaments on the Christmas tree and all the way up, just training them as you go, teaching them what's right, telling them what's wrong. It just makes life so much more peaceful. Okay. So Trace, let's get practical for parents out there uh, about the, what we call the three C's of loving discipline. So parents, as you, as you think about what's appropriate in terms of disciplining your kids at the different age levels that they're at. 
I think whatever whatever it is you decide you're going to do to discipline your kids, it needs to follow these three C's. Number one, it needs to be clear. And what that means is you, you need to establish clear rules, establish clear expectations, and make sure that your kids know the consequences for each of these. Trace, talk us through this. Why is this important? Yeah, because again, like I was just talking about a few minutes ago, as a parent, it's better to have a plan, <laughs> you know, like whatever age your kids are, let's say they're uh, preschool age. And so they're starting to, you know, maybe go into the kitchen pantry and pulling food out and eating snacks and desserts when they're not supposed to. Um, or they're smart enough to pull out a tablet and start looking at things on YouTube. That as parents, it's better to have a plan ahead of time rather than reacting in a moment to your kid eating the Oreos, you know, or being on the iPad for two hours and you didn't know that's what they were doing while they were in their room. Instead of like reacting in that moment and yelling and screaming and whatever, to have a plan like what are the rules for our home? And then communicating those to the preschooler like, hey, we don't open the pantry without mom or dad in the kitchen. These are the snacks at this level that you're allowed to eat at this time of day desserts, cookies, candy, all that stuff, that's for after dinner and you have to ask first, right? That you would establish clear boundaries or clear rules that whatever the age of your kid, if they can understand it, then they know these are the rules. And then here is the consequence if the rule is broken. So again, back to the example, if your preschooler goes in, steals a couple of Oreos, you catch them in the act, that you would say, okay, you know that if the, that rule was broken and you disobeyed that rule, that you would lose dessert for the next two nights. So again, it's kind of reinforcing. So now your, your preschooler's thinking, okay, eating that Oreo might've felt worth it in the moment, but now I just lost dessert for the next two days. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to follow the rule. That's better because then I can get dessert every night. Right. So that's just kind of an example. So like, let's say then with teenagers, if set your curfew and if you miss your curfew, even if it's by one minute, here's the consequence. You're grounded for the next weekend that you set up rules and expectations. So everyone's working off the same information that you're not changing the rules. You're not you're not mixing things up. You're not reacting and your kids like I didn't know that was a problem. You're very clear, you're clear about the rule, and you're clear about the consequence. That just helps you as a parent to not have to be so reactionary because you have a plan in place ahead of time. Okay, so number one, be clear. Number two, then, is to be consistent. And that means, obviously, that you follow through every time a rule is broken. And Tracy, I think for some parents, this is a tough one because... Depending oh, yeah. on your personality type, you're just... and Or even depending on the kid, because some kids are pretty stubborn... So you might, there might be seasons of parenting where you feel like you're just always disciplining your kids. And for some parents, I mean, they might just be like, this just doesn't seem loving. It doesn't seem right for me to be always punishing my kids. So talk us through how to be consistent, especially with a strong-willed child. I know. And it can be exhausting. And I can't tell you how many times that I would see one of my kids do something and I'd be like, ah, oh, if I could just pretend like I didn't notice it then maybe I wouldn't have to follow through on the consequence because it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to follow through on the consequence. Like I can't tell you how many times with, you know, we're out at the grocery or you're at a restaurant and one of our rules is like, we don't, we don't throw a tantrum. Like we're not crying when we don't get our way. And if we do, then we're going to go out into the car and we're, we're going to have a conversation and there's going to be a consequence for that. 
So it would be easy to be like, sometimes like, I just don't have the energy to follow through with that. So have your tantrum. I don't care. I got to get the groceries in the cart and I'm going to go home. But the problem with that is then now, now we've just set ourselves up with, with more problems because now we've created that situation that our kids are like, okay, it's okay to do it sometimes. I'll get away with it sometimes, not every time. It's worth the gamble. So now we just kind of perpetuate this thing. I mean, parents at the end of the day, especially when our kids are young and you see it for sure when they become teenagers, there's a power struggle going on. So one of you is going to end up in the one-up position. So as parents, it's better for you to say, we're the parents, we're setting the rules, as long as you're living in our home and dependent on us for food and shelter, we're going to be the rule setters, and we're going to get tell you what those consequences are. So your role as the child then is to follow the rules. And as you obey them and as you build trust with us, as you get older, you're going to see more independence. You're going to have, there's going to be benefits that you're going to reap from being obedient and following the rules. But if you're not consistent, then the power struggle is real. And now you're creating that dynamic where your kids can try to manipulate you or it's worth the cost to them to be like, I don't know, it's worth it to me to keep breaking this rule because sometimes I'm punished and sometimes I'm not. So parents, if you set a rule, and you set a consequence that goes with that rule, you have to be consistent every time. And I promise, if you continue to be consistent, your kids are going to learn it's not worth the consequence. It's not fun to get the punishment. So I'm going to just follow the rules. Well, and Tracy, what about couples where the husband is a little more passive and the wife is a little more aggressive? And so mom and dad might not totally be on the same page about punishments. What, what would you recommend to the couple who's listening um, that, that is, has just been described. Yeah. I mean, this parents, you have to be on the same page. You have to be, I mean, even divorced parents that are just co-parenting, you have to be on the same page. It's not going to, it's not fair to your kids to have one set of rules when mom's in charge and one set of rules when dad's in charge. So if you're two parents living in the same home, then you need to make these decisions together. This needs to be something that you as parents commit together. Like these are the rules of the home. These are the behaviors we want to be training and these are going to be the consequences. And we both have to be true to following through with them, whether one of us is there or not. And, you know, at least in our family, Brian, I mean, it's not like you wanted to be passive, but a lot of times you just weren't paying attention or weren't aware, right? You're kind of more one track minded. So there would be times the kids would be arguing or fighting and, you know, you, you were on your phone or whatever. And so you would kind of miss the moment and I'd come in the room and be like, what the heck is going on here? So... Some of it is both parents, like when you're in the active parenting role, you've got to choose to be engaged and paying attention to what's going on with your kids so that you can be consistent. Yeah, for us, it was, yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not necessarily that you're not both on the same page because you're right, Tracy, we were on the same page. You were just so much more attentive than I was. So parents mm -hmm. out there, if you can relate to me, you know, Tracy, I thank God that you were part of the equation for raising our kids because... I, I shudder to think what would have happened with our kids if it was if there were two of me, you know, who weren't just completely <laughs> attentive to what was going on. You really had to be on top of it. And so couples maybe sit down and talk about it and say, hey, who's which one of us is more attentive to this kind of thing? And then the other one, the one who relates to me more, maybe just needs to say, hey, I, I want to get better at this. Because, right, Trace, we don't want we don't want mom to be the one who's always disciplining or even dad. For me, it was dad. Sometimes it was Mom had only so much authority over us as we got older, and so she started threatening us with, 
I'm going to have dad spank mm-hmm. you when he comes home. And we knew that that wasn't good. And so, again, what would you say to that, Tracy, couples who are trying to figure out like who the one of them is the discipliner and the other one isn't? What would you say to that couple? Well, again, I think it's going to be better that you don't pit one parent as the bad parent or the parent that has to do all the disciplining and the other. I just I don't think that's good for the power dynamic in the home. Like, I just I don't think that's going to be helpful. So I just would say whatever the case may be. I mean, there might be some things as your kids get a little bit older that you say when dad gets home or when mom gets home, we're going to have a conversation and we're going to decide what the right punishment is. That might be a way to avoid than just saying, well, when mom and dad gets or home, gets home, they'll they'll be in the one in charge of disciplining you. Again, I think the more parents can do things and be seen as a united front, that's going to go way better in the family and in the dynamic of raising your kids, especially when it pertains to discipline. Okay, so principle one is or or uh, C number one is be clear. Number two, be consistent. And the last one, Tracy, and this is was already sort of alluded to a couple times here in this episode, is it should be corrective. And what that means is that the consequences should deter your kids from making the same mistake again. Another way, another way to say this is it should hurt. Now, not necessarily physically hurt, but you know, this again is what is what the author of Hebrews is saying: is that God disciplines us. No, no discipline is pleasant at the time; it's painful. That's the principle here is you need to make sure that you've carefully think of a of a discipline that is going to send the message to your kid that um, I need to not do this again. And so Tracy, right. you know, that, sometimes exactly. for younger kids, young for younger kids we're talking about spanking potentially again, I think it, I hesitate to even say that, but I do believe that parents need to make that decision. Of course, that should only be done in love, never out of anger or anything like that. But certainly as those kids get a little bit older, we're talking about probably timeouts and taking phones away and those sorts of things. Yeah. Whatever the consequence that you choose for your family, it needs to be age appropriate and it needs to be dependent upon what your convictions are on certain things. But whatever it is, it needs to be corrective. It needs to get their attention. It needs to be a consequence that they want to count the cost before they make that decision again. If if the consequence doesn't really mean much and they can kind of look at it and be like, I don't know, it's worth it. It's worth it to break the rule because the consequence, that's not big of a deal. Then that's not loving discipline that's going to be effective in shaping your kids. So the consequence needs to get their attention and be something that they don't want. So... You know, for example, again, with a preschooler, it might be taking away a dessert. It might be saying you don't get TV time today. Um, for a teenager, it might be you're grounded for the weekend. You don't get to go to that party or you're, you're lost privileges for your phone. You know, things are going to grab their attention and make them think, okay, that, that isn't worth it to me to break the rule because this consequence stinks. Okay, so the three C's of loving discipline, be clear. That means you establish clear rules and expectations and the consequences for each. Number two, be consistent. Follow through every time a rule is broken. Mom and dad both. And then be corrective. Make sure that the consequences deter your kids from making the same mistake again. And all of this then would go a long way toward loving your children with discipline. Because remember, the proverb 
the ancient proverb, it's a paradox, but it, but Proverbs 13, 24 says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. It, it's paradoxical. Again, you're going to find people today who say, do not discipline your kids because that means you don't love them. It is The Bible gives us the opposite instruction. It says, if you love your children, you care enough to discipline them. You're going to invest the time in disciplining them. So Tracy, one last thing, I, you know, we were just helping a uh, a dad through kind of thinking through how to discipline his one of his kids who's really sort of an emotional kid. What would you say here at the end to a parent who says, I'm trying to be clear. I'm trying to be consistent. I'm trying to make sure that that it, you know, it's corrective, that it sends the right message to my kid. But what do you say to the parent who who has a child who is over emotional, maybe super stubborn? Someone that that a parent is just exhausted by. What? Let's just finish off this episode with a word of wisdom for those parents, because probably those are the parents who are really paying attention today, because they want some tips. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had a magic wand that could just say, "Oh, just do this," and that's all taken care of. Um, I think the first thing is parents. We have to remember that we're the adults. So if we do have an over emotional child, if we do have a child that gets like super charged up that we have to just not choose to engage at that level. You know, for the for the, that kind of a kid, you might just have to say, hey, you know what? I want you to go to your room and calm down. You're upset and I need you to get yourself under control and then come back out and we'll continue to have a conversation. That's one thing you can do. I think another thing is if you do have a child that's just kind of exacerbates you and you're unsure of what to do, this is where Christian community is so important that maybe you reach out to your pastor or a mentoring couple who's further along in the journey of parenting and just say, hey, do you have any suggestions? And in some cases, it might be good to call on a professional counselor because maybe there's some other things going on with with one of your kids that might might be depression or it might be anxiety and they don't have the right words or way to put it into words, what they're thinking and feeling, but they're overwhelmed by life or overwhelmed by something that maybe has happened to them. And so getting a professional and counselor involved sometimes might be appropriate too, just to help you kind of open the floodgates of conversation and understanding of one another. But at the end of the day, parents, I mean, this is what children are a gift and God's entrusting them to us. And our job is to train them. That's what loving discipline's about. It's about training them. It's about raising them to learn right and wrong, to know what it means to live a life that honors God so that they, when they leave our home, they don't go to school or to a job and just think all bets are off and I can act and do whatever I want. That's not going to go well for them in life. There's going to be even harsher consequences for them in the world. So lovingly discipline, walk with your kids, train your kids up. And if you have one that causes extra stress, reach out to others and ask for help. So let me end this episode by reading AJ's response. That day when Kenzie and AJ were having a fight back in their teen and preteen years, and I'd sent them to their rooms to write, to write a journal entry on how I should punish them and what went wrong. Kenzie, remember, Kenzie titled it, What Went Wrong. AJ titled it, What I Did Wrong, which is great. And if when you read the doc, he... He spends a couple of paragraphs explaining what happened, the details of what happened. It matches up actually with what Kenzie said in hers. And then she, at the very end, he said what she did wrong. And he said, the only thing that Kenzie did wrong was slam the door. And he ended like this. Kenzie does not deserve any punishment. 
please give me the punishment and let Kenzie off the hook. She didn't do anything bad enough to be deserving of punishment. And, you know, that's a, we all get a, get a laugh at that now when we look at that, that, that when, when we think of discipline in our home now, those, that's kind of the main thing we think of. I think it was like maybe a turning point, Tracy, for both of our kids that, cause I was pretty angry at how they were treating each other and whatever, slamming the doors. And this happens at seasons in, in life. Kenzie was probably in high school. AJ was probably still in junior high. You're going to have dynamics like that between your kids, depending on their ages. And I think it was one of the last times we really had to discipline in, in a way like that, because what, and we'll talk about this more in future episodes, but one of the things that was that you're doing when you discipline your kids is you're teaching them to take ownership of their life. And so instead of just disciplining them, I really ma- I really forced them, and they hated it actually. They they would have rather that I just discipline, you know, sent them to their room or took their phone away. I made them think about it. I made them consider it. I met I made them um, be introspective, and I think it was a great exercise for both of them. And so, parents, I just encourage you to continue. Like, don't give up. It's so easy, if especially if your kids are in those those early, early enough years where there's just constant clashing going on, don't give up. Discipline with love. When you love them, you'll discipline them. And over time, over time, I hope and I pray that you'll be blessed with your kids as Tracy and I are blessed with ours. If you want to talk about this with your spouse, with a couple's small group, with a mentor, or even with your kids, you can find all of it online at pursuegod.org forward slash family.